you seated this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Trio. What a powerful song. You know, that should be a prayer of every one of our hearts that God brings unity back. It's very clear what the enemy trying to do. Divide us, divide us as a people. Very clear what the mass media is wanting to do and bring division. We just need to pray that God would just, would just quiet the noise. And let's just get back to loving everybody. That's just what we need. We need God to just bring unity and love back to our nation. Amen. Amen. Lord, yes. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord God. Hallelujah, Lord. We call upon your name this morning, Father. Lord, I pray that it's a prayer of every one of our hearts that we call upon your name, Lord God, and say, use me, Lord. Use me, Lord God. Oh, Lord God. You squash any pride that rise up within us, Lord God, but you use us, Lord, reach out to those, reach out to those around us, Lord God, to love like we've never loved before, Lord God. Oh, Lord, we humble ourselves before you this morning, Father. Hallelujah, 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 Lord. Oh, Jesus, 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 we praise your name, Lord. We praise your name, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Yes. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. He's been so faithful, church. Hallelujah. Some man. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Some of you are going through a trial this morning. Some of you are facing some hardship this morning. You heard the word of the Lord. It's trust. 
trust him this morning. Trust him. Some of you walked in here and you have no answers. You don't know which way to go. Trust him. Trust him. Some of you may have walked in this morning and you're a little impatient with the Lord this morning. God, why won't you move? God, why don't you do it sooner? God, I need this to happen, Lord. You heard the word of the Lord this morning. Just trust him. Quit carrying this weight, this burden on your own and trust him this morning. Would you trust him? <laughs> Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Right where you're at, if you're, if you walked in with a burden, if you're struggling with something, I want you to make a commitment where you're at right now. Would you just pray to him and let him know that you're going to lay it at his feet this morning? The worry that you carry, the stress that you carry, would you just commit to him right now? trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you give us eyes to see how you're moving. We know you're moving on our behalf, Lord God. Let us see, Lord God. God, as we lay this at your feet this morning, Lord, I pray that you just fill us with the supernatural peace this morning, Jesus. Lord, that you take the stress, you take the worry, Lord God, you take it off our shoulders this morning as we lay it at your feet and we trust you. We trust you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, Lord, I trust that you're moving on our behalf. I trust, Lord God, you've made a way. Lord God, I trust you have the answer, Lord God. I trust that you have the relief, Lord God. I trust, Lord God, I trust in you, Lord Jesus. I trust in your timing, not my timing. I trust in your way, not my way, Lord Jesus. Let your will be done, Father. Lord, I trust you. I trust you. Hallelujah, Lord. I pray, Lord. I pray that's a prayer of everyone's heart in here this morning. That we not walk out of this place with the same stuff we walked in here with. We walk out of here with hope and peace in our heart to know without a shadow of doubt that you have things under control. Lord, I trust you this morning. I trust you this morning, Father.
Father's in your precious name we pray. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. We get right into the word. We're, we're going back to the book of Acts this morning. We're going to Acts chapter 8. This morning, the question I want to start with is, are you for real? Are you for real? Because this morning, we're going to see a story about an imposter that's welcomed into the family. An imposter is welcomed into the family, into the spiritual family known as a church. And we find this story in Acts chapter 8, starting with verse 9, where the story of Simon. And Simon, Simon's experience is raising a good question for every one of us in here this morning to ask. And the question is, are you for real? Is your faith a real thing or is it a counterfeit thing? And so we're going to start by getting you a background of what we're talking about. We've been walking through the book of Acts. And we understand that after Jesus ascended, remember Jesus told the disciples to wait. To wait. Wait for what? Wait for the Holy Spirit. He said, once you have that, then you'll be released. And we, we talked about this. We talked about it extensively, especially in Acts chapter 2, about the purpose of the Holy Spirit, how it's beautiful, how God set up that everyone is in town for the feast of the harvest, right? And that is the purpose and intention of the Holy Spirit is to give us boldness to share our witness. Give us that boldness. That's what the Holy Spirit's need. He said, don't, don't go, disciples, until you have this because you need this power. Because once you have this power, what's going to happen? You're going to see signs and you see miracles. Remember the purpose of the signs and miracles? To get people to see Jesus, right? And so because of that, we understand the church starts blowing up. I mean, tens of thousands of people are being converted or being baptized because the power of the Holy Spirit is moving in such a marvelous way. And we understand the church, this movement is taking off. And the religious elite don't like this, right? Remember the warnings? They, they gave them a stern talking to, said, don't do this. And they went back to the exact same spot and talk, started talking about Jesus. Okay, that didn't work, so they brought all of them in and beat them up a little bit. And it's, they don't do that. They go back to the same corner and start doing it again. And remember last, we talked about Stephen, and they finally had it with Stephen. So that's it. We'll show them that we're serious. And they started stoning him. And after his, after his execution, Stephen's execution, in chapter 7, we saw that Saul... He starts leading up this, this, this persecution against the church. And Luke says it was like ravaging the church, ripping it to shreds, is the picture Luke gives us, is what the persecution is doing to church. And that's what we seen last week in, in Acts chapter 8. We saw how the churches went, right? The apostles stayed in Jerusalem, but the church is scattered out and about to Judah and Samaria. And it didn't go quietly, right? They didn't go and hide. They didn't go, well, we better be quiet and let this blow over. No, they went proclaiming the good news. That's what we saw out of Philip. Remember Philip? Who's Philip? He's just a regular guy like you and I. That's what I love about Stephen and Philip. They're just regular guys, right? They need somebody to wait tables and serve the widows. And these two guys said, I can do that. I love it because I can do that. I can relate to these two guys. They're normal guys. They're not disciples. They're just regular Joe's out there. And so Philip was one of those ones. He went, he went to Samaria. And what is amazing about Samaria is they didn't like each other. You talking about division. There was a vision there. They, they straight didn't like each other. They thought one was filthy, the other one's filthy, everybody's filthy. And so here's Philip. He goes down there. And we saw last week that God used him in a mighty way. We saw a God twist, didn't we? 
in this trial of persecution, what happens? Samaria gets saved. I mean, the last thing the Jewish people would ever thought happened, Samarians heard the good news and they responded to that. And then Luke, Luke zooms in to one of the amazing stories surrounding the revival that's taking place in Samaria. And so Luke introduces us to the first false convert we see at the church. And no doubt that they will not be the last false convert. Because Jesus warned us about this, didn't he? Jesus told us there's going to be, there's gonna, these things are going to happen. Matthew chapter 13, he tells us three different parables. You know, the parable of the, the sower, right? The sower spread the seeds, it represents the gospel, he spreads them on the rocky ground, the so, rocky soil, thorny, thorny soil, good soil. And we know that only one of the four soils Jesus described represented, represented legitimate faith, right? And so that, that's, you know, that's not good odds. 75% was false, right? Next parable he tells us was the parable of the weeds, how they grew up together, weeds and genuine believers. And then he gave us a final snapshot in that the parables there of the fishing net, right? How Luke chapter, uh, or, uh, verse 47 there, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown in the sea and gathering fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into the containers, but threw the bad away. And he's saying that it's going to happen. Well, this happened in Samaria. Philip is, is Jesus' divine fisherman. He's out there casting a net. He's telling the good news through the power of the Holy Spirit. Signs and wonders are happening, and people are coming to Christ, right? And Simon the magi Magician, it's funny, my, my heading in my, my, my Bible, it says, Simon the Magician believes. And so he was converted. Simon the Magician, he hears the good news. He's drawn in. But what we're going to see is he's not genuinely converted. And so where does Simon go wrong? What, what, how was his faith? You know, this faith that seemed legitimate, that he was baptized in the family of God, and it turns out it wasn't genuine. And so there's four things I want us to notice about Simon's faith. And every time I, I mention one of these things we notice about Simon's faith, I want us to examine ourselves this morning. Examine your own heart and say, am I for real? And so look at the first one. First off, Simon had a flawed view of self. He had a flawed view of self. His flawed view of self was the fact that he was egotistical, right? He was prideful. He was very full of himself. That's who Simon was. This was, this was, this was what's happening. He, this pride is rising up, and he's thinking, man, I'm good. I'm important. You know, and this was Simon. And look what it look in verse nine. I mean, read it for yourself. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city. And was amazed at the people of Samaria, saying that he look. This is Simon. He's saying this, saying that he himself was somebody great. Listen, that's red flag number one. If you got to tell everybody you're great, probably not great, right? And so here's Simon. He's like, I'm great, you know? And I'm like, okay, you're kind of full of yourself, but all right, let's go on. And, you know, they, they, he, could, he was a magician, so he could pull off some amazing things, right? Sleight of hand, deception, trickery. But also there was, a, in the magicians they speak of in, in the scriptures here, there's also added power, the, the demonic power with that. And so he could pull off some crazy things. And again, verse 9, it says, because of his skill, deception, trickery, the people of Samaria were in amazement, right? They were in amazement of his skill, of what he could do. They were astonished. They were kind of all of his, his, his magical powers, right? And because he held the people in amazement, what did he think of himself? 
Again, he thought he was great, right? He thought he was absolutely great. And then verses 10 and 11 just builds on that ego of his. Look at it, verse 10. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he amazed them with his magic. And this is the best part. He called himself Simon the Great. I mean, again, that's like red flag number one. Like, you know, I, I mean, I understand most magicians call themselves great, but this is overboard right here. But Simon saw himself as great. And so this is his significant flawed view of himself. He made great claims for himself. He saw himself elevated in this way, didn't he? And it, this cuts him off from the hope of, hope of salvation, basically. Because pride in any form, and not even as extreme as his pride, but pride in any form is like a weed growing in your heart. And the more you allow it to grow, the more it takes over. And before you know it, you can't see straight. And this is what happened to him. It robbed, it robbed his heart of the possibility of genuine brokenness. Why? Because he didn't think he needed it. I mean, he's Simon the Great, right? He doesn't need this. And so it wasn't necessary for him. And so that part he left out. Because of pride, he had no sense of fear of judgment in his life. I'm good. I hear this a lot. Pastor, I'm a good person. You know, first time anybody learns I'm a pastor, that's like the first thing out of their mouth. You know, I'm really a good person. Like, okay, I, I, you know, if you got to tell me, then it's questionable, right? And it's just, it's, it's, it's a, that, that sense of judgment goes away when you think, well, you know, I'm good. I've got a good life. I've got a good marriage. I've got a good job. I'm genuinely just a good person. And when you see yourself in that light, sometimes that, that fear of judgment goes away like, well, I'm, you know, I'm good. I'm good. And this is what happened in Simon's life. He had, he had no self, no sense of his own sinfulness. And that's what's so damning about pride. It prevents, it prevents honest self-appraisal, doesn't it? Because if you're telling me you're good, then you have no, no way to improve right? I mean, you're good. And so honest self-appraisal of ourselves kind of goes out the window. And the problem is it's easy to see prideful heart in others, isn't it? Come on. You know, in your, your talks with your spouse at home, you're like, man, they're so full of themselves, aren't they? But you wouldn't ever say that about yourself, would you? No, that'd be silly. You know, in, in, 29, in 2009, Basketball greats Michael Jordan and David Robinson were inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame. Both of them extraordinary players, right? And they both had their um, induction ceremony. They had acceptance speeches they gave. And it was, a, it was a stark contrast between the two, right? Jordan's speech, and, and Jordan is great, his speech was self-centered, arrogant, and it, sometimes even embarrassing. And then David Robinson got up. He made a brief, inspiring, encouraging speech. They made his family, made his teammates, made his friends proud. Jordan, he put on a, a disappointing display that even looked worse after, after Robinson's speech. Because what happened was David elevated others and Jordan elevated himself. David Robinson, he took time to honor all the people who supported him. He acknowledged coaches, fellow players, family members, fans. 
On the other hand, the theme of Michael Jordan's speech was, if you want to know where my legendary fire comes from, he said, right here. He pointed to himself. And so he stepped on other players, coaches, just to get the spotlight. And that's, that's where Simon's at. And the scripture is fulfilled with warnings, is, is full of warnings regarding pride and arrogance. Here's just a few. I got a few for you this morning. I know they're hard to see. I apologize. Psalms 10.4. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. Psalms 12.3. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips and tongues that make great boast. Psalms 101.5. Wherever, whoever has haughty look and arrogant heart, I will not endure. Proverbs 8.13. Pride and arrogance in the way of evil is perverted. Speech I hate. Proverbs 16, 5. Everyone who is arrogant in a heart is abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction, a high spirit before the fall. And then to sum it up, James 4, 6 says, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. I mean, you heard a message from the Lord himself this morning, humble yourself. Simon, he does all that he does, have people tell him how great he is. He needs that in his life. Simon is way too concerned with what others think of him. He spends way too much time in the mirror. He spends way too much taking selfies and posting them on social media. That's who Simon is. He had a flawed view of himself, and that is a soul-damning self-perception to have. Is a fatal flaw that reveals that he was not authentically born again. He had a flawed self view of himself. Secondly, he had a flawed view of salvation. So he started off bad and then it just gets worse. And so, how was his salvation flawed? His view of salvation flawed? Well, you read, we're going to read here. He thinks it's all about the external, right? And come on, how many people think that? It's all about the external. If I go to church, if I look like I have my act together, you know, if I tithe, if I do these things, remember the checklist? If I do these things, then I'm good with God. That's what Simon thought. It's all about the eye, what you see, right? And look at his view. He views salvation simply as external things to do. In verse 12, 12 and 13, it says, But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were, both, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip, and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. And so here's, here's the Holy Spirit performing these signs and wonders through Philip in the city of Samaria. God empowered, remember, God empowered his apostles, his servants with the abilities to perform these miracles. Why? To authenticate the message, right? And we understand this, and we understand that signs and wonders, when we talk about the signs and wonders, we're praying for signs and wonders in your life. Why? Because when you have signs and wonders in your life, what does it do? Points people to Jesus, right? It's like the blind man. I don't know what happened, but Jesus. So we can have signs and wonders happen in your life, so it gives you a testimony of the power of the Holy Spirit, so you can tell people, I don't know, but Jesus, Right? And it's a testimony, it's a witnessing, power for the harvest. And this is what's happening here. These signs and wonders are, are supposed to be pointing to Jesus. 
But Simon became enamored with these signs. It was all about the signs and wonders. It wasn't about Jesus, the signs and wonders. That's exactly what the end of verse 13 says, right? And seeing the signs and great miracles before him, he was amazed. That word amazed, he's already been, it's already been used twice in this passage. And the other two times, it described how all the people were held in wonder by the magician Simon. So that's what he's, just, he's enamored by. He, he loves these signs. So now Simon is amazed. He's amazed at the miracles performed by Philip. And that's what he wants. That's his view right there. It's all about the external. Because Simon, he knows magic, right? He knows the sleight of hand. He knows the trickery. He knows the art of illusion. He knows how to amaze people. But now, when he sees Philip does it, it moves him to amazement. He sees his counterfeit, counterfeit power, basically what he had. He sees it in this light of authentic power, and now he wants that. Right? He wants the signs and the wonders. He wants the Holy Ghost goosebumps, right? He wants the experience. But he doesn't really want Jesus as part of that. Give me the power, give me the signs, give me the wonders. Simon saw his tricks, and in comparison to the power of God, he was amazed. He had this flawed view of salvation because he became fixated on these signs, not who they were pointed to. That's where we get in trouble, church. When revival breaks out, we see signs and wonders. People get enamored by it. People are drawn in by this. But if it doesn't point them to Jesus, then it's of no use. We can have all the goosebumps we want. We have all the Holy Spirit we want. But if it's not pointing to Jesus, then we're failing. That's the sole purpose of it, point people to Jesus. And that's why Simon had this flawed view of salvation because he just wanted that. He wanted that part, but I could do without this part. Well, you can't have that part without this part. Well, Simon didn't know. And so thirdly, Simon had a view flawed of the Spirit. He had, he had a flawed view of the Spirit. Sorry, I'll get there one of these days. Verse 14. Now when the apostles of Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John. So remember all the other Christians scattered, but apostles stayed in Jerusalem. Now this was a long, don't think they just sent them, they just, you know, 30-minute drive over to Samaria. It probably took them a couple days of walking to get to Samaria. So this is, this is a big deal. But they heard Samaria was, was, was having a revival. And so they want to come over there and check things out because they were being baptized in, in water. And so here comes Peter and John to, to check in on how things going. Verse 15 through 70 says, Who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit? So remember, that, remember we talked about this, baptism of the Holy Spirit. Once you uh, ask Jesus into your heart, you receive the Holy Spirit. But then what we're talking about in the book of Acts, when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit... That means you're just, you're just flooded with the Holy Spirit. Remember the illustration of the pot and pouring the water in the pot? That's like salvation. You get water in your pot. When you get baptized, that water is just flowing over with the intent. It flows over to those around you. Intent that you have boldness to witness those around you. Intent that you have power for the harvest. That's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. So here comes Peter and John. They're coming to pray for him that they're going to receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had been only baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Verse 17, then they laid their hands on them and they received the power of the, the, the Holy Spirit. And so 
the Samaritans, remember, really, they, remember, they didn't like the Jewish people. There was just this constant battle. They're both just not good. And the first time, the, the, this is the very first time this influx of Samaritans came to Christ. And there's little doubt that when they received the Holy Spirit as their apostles laid hand on them because of Simon's reaction, right? Simon was blown away. So notice how Simon responds when he witnesses the receiving Holy Spirit and the subsequent manifestation through the Holy Spirit by laying on hands. Verse 18 and 19, it shows us. And when Simon saw the Spirit was given through the laying on on the apostles' hands, he offered them money. So he sees, he sees them laying on hands. You see them being baptized in the Holy Spirit. He said, I got some money. He offered them money, verse 19, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Simon wanted to buy the true Holy Spirit. I mean, saying that loud seems crazy, doesn't it? But it shows you where he's at. He's not in the right place, is it? He's wanting to buy the Holy Spirit. So what's going on today is there's false teachers trying to sell false spirits, aren't there? There's a lot of false junk going on in our, our world today. Uh, if you join us, we'll give you this. So if you believe this, you know, you can go here and go there. We can, listen, there's one gospel, one Bible, one book, one God. That's all there is. Line it up with scriptures, folks. We tell you once, we're going to tell you a thousand times. Line it up with scripture. It sounds too good to be true. Come on. That's what I love about the Bible. You know, some religious books, they, they omit a lot of stuff. The Bible, it, some stuff that I'd be embarrassed to put in here, the Bible includes. The failures, the miscues, the people who believe in God. It's full of stuff. But I, oh, now God, I know that God is just showing us. Listen, this is you. This is how we see our story. But this is how Simon, he gets caught up in the signs of wonder and he gets all confused and think, well, I can just buy it. Because Simon had a flawed view of self, he was prideful and thought he was great. Obviously, he had some money. He had a flawed view of salvation. He was amazed at the miracles that, that pointed to God. But he wasn't amazed with God. And that led him to a flawed view of the Spirit. And he thought he could buy the Spirit with money. You see, what's, he just wants to buy power, doesn't he? Oh, that's pretty sweet. I like that. I want to lay hands on people and give it to me. Because there's no, I, there's no doubt in my mind that he's thinking, this is going to put me back on top of the Samaritans. Like, if I can do that, they're going to be amazed at me. They're going to tell me how good I am again. They're going to be telling me how nice I am, how powerful I am, how great I am. They're going to, if I can have this power, then I'll be back on top. I mean, if he could add this supernatural power to his collection of tricks and illusions, he'll be back to Simon the Great. And again, at the end, it was all about him, wasn't it? Well, it really leads to the final flaw we see in Simon he had a flawed view of sin Simon had a very high view of himself and very low view of God he didn't understand the glory of the Holy Spirit he didn't realize the truth that God doesn't have anything for sale all that God offers he offers for free but but he he, he could only 
He can only, God only receives brokenness. And you see how Simon's coming at God. God, I got a lot to offer. I'm just saying. They call me Simon the Great. Okay, they don't, but I do. But I'm Simon the Great. You know, I got a lot to offer. We see that he didn't come to God in that broken spirit, repentance. And so Simon has exposed his crooked heart, and Peter pounces on it. I mean, look at Peter in verse 20. Peter says to him, May your silver perish with you. Because you thought you could attain the gift of God with money. I mean, Peter's ticked off here, right? This is righteous, righteous indignation. This is kind of a, the salty fisherman coming out in Peter right here. Look at verse 21. You, either, you have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are, <clears throat> that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. So what's Peter telling him? He's saying, listen, you've got to pray forgiveness. You've got to pray for a 180-degree turn. Go the exact opposite direction. Renounce your sin. Turn to God. Lay down your prize. Pride and hold on to Christ. That that phrase, you, you, you are in the goal of bitterness, that's a Greek word for bile. You're in a bile of wickedness, a bondage of iniquity. Slave to sin, repent. That's the right view of God, realizing that it separates you from God unless you repent of it. Now, Simon responds to Peter's rebuke, and I think there's some sarcasm in it. Look at it in verse 24. And Simon answered, pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you said may come upon me. Again, he's still not getting it, is he? You, you pray for me to the Lord, that none of this happens, what you just prayed. I mean, it's kind of a mockery. Instead of, instead of saying, I'll pray to the Lord and repent, he says, oh, you pray for me. You pray for me, and I'll just go with that. I mean, he's clearly not getting it. I mean, too much pride, too much arrogance, too much full of himself to humble himself before the Lord. And so that leads us back to the, the important question. Are you for real? Are you for real? I know some of you are sitting here like, Pastor, this is a first service crowd. Come on, you know who you're talking about. I understand but I want to ask you a question. Is your faith the real thing? Is it authentic? Is it genuine? Is it legitimate? Because I think there is something to come in and punch in the spiritual time clock. That you know through tradition, you come Sunday mornings because that's what grandma did. This is what your mama did. This is what you did. And if you don't show up, you're going to hear about it. And so you come and you punch the time card out of tradition. You're a good person. And so the question is, are, is it authentic? I think this is a question all of us should ask. Are you for real? I mean, 2 Corinthians, Paul says, check yourself. Examine yourself. See whether you're, you're in the faith. Test yourself. To see if you have a genuine relationship with God this morning. Are you broken before? Can you do what the Spirit asks us to do this morning? You humble yourself before Him. Admit you need him this morning. 
Admit that there's something in your life you can't handle this morning. That's the biggest thing, isn't it? Oh, I can fix this. I can handle this. I just got to buckle down. I got to work harder. I've got to do this. If I do this, then this relationship work out. If I do this, then my marriage will last. If I did this, my grandkids will come back to Christ. No. Humble yourself before the Lord. Admit, I can't do this. God, there's just one thing I can't do. Or are you too stubborn to admit that there's something you can't handle this morning? Maybe outward, outwardly, you know, religious protocol just comes naturally to you. But maybe there's no real change in the life. Maybe the same things are preventing Simon from being genuine, genuinely converted are some things preventing you from genuinely being converted. Maybe you got a little pride rising up. Remember that pride is like that weed. It's going to take over your or take over your whole garden if you just let it go. So my encouragement to you is instead of having a flawed view of self, have an accurate view of self. I mean, see yourself in the light of the perfection and glory of God. See yourself in desperate need of a Savior. See yourself in need of salvation. See yourself in need of the Spirit's transforming power. Instead of having a flawed view of sin, have an accurate view of sin this morning. See your own personal sin as as damaging, as a cancer that can be eaten up inside of you. Humble yourself before God. Trust Jesus. That was kind of the theme this morning, wasn't it? Trust Jesus. Humble yourself before God. Trust Him. Trust that God's provided a way. Look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Would you stand with us this morning? Trust Jesus. Trust in his word. Trust in him dying on the cross for your sin, raising from the dead to provide life. Trust in Jesus this morning. So no matter how long you've been in faith, no matter how long you've been a Christian, examine your heart this morning. See if there's any pride rising up. See if there's any arrogance rising up that that you need to deal with this morning. Like, Pastor, I'm not arrogant. I'm not prideful. Well, then why are you holding on to that one thing and thinking you can do better than God? That one struggle, that one difficulty, you've been carrying for a long time, and it's starting to burden you down, it's starting to hurt, it's starting to affect relationships. Peely this morning, God saying, would you just trust me? Would you trust him this morning? Dearly Father, Lord God, I pray this morning that we, we take a self-assessment, Lord. We take a self-assessment in our heart this morning and ask, Lord, is there any pride, is there any arrogance in my heart, Lord Jesus, God? Lord, is there anything I'm holding back from you this morning, Father? Is there anything I think that I could do better, Lord God? Is there anything that I think, well, I can fix. I don't need to bring it to God. I can handle this. I can do this. I can fix it. I can repair this, Lord. I pray that we see that in ourselves this morning, Lord. I pray that we trust you. And I pray that we hand it over to you this morning, Father. 
that we trust you and that we give it to you, Lord Jesus. God, I pray, Lord God, that we examine ourselves. And God, I pray that we're seeking, or those seeking the Holy Spirit, Lord God, we're seeking it, God, so we can witness, so we can have boldness, Lord God, to share, boldness of bringing the harvest, the power for the harvest, Lord Jesus, I pray. So Lord, I pray this morning, every heart in this place takes a real look at themselves. We ask that we can learn anything through the life of Simon, Lord. There's anything, Lord God, that we can learn. I pray that you reveal it to us this morning. Is there anything with our view of ourself, our view of salvation, our view of the Spirit? Lord, I pray that you reveal that to us this morning, Lord. I pray that no one walks out here holding on to anything. I pray that we leave with trusting you. We leave with laying at your feet and say, Lord, I'm trusting you. And that you just give a supernatural peace to come upon our hearts as we leave this place. In your precious holy name we pray. Amen, amen. His altars are always open. We'd love to pray with you like prayer.